0: I have a sermon I love to preach on the hallmarks of genuine faith. I think I've preached it here. I'm not, I'm not sure. I think I have. I'm pretty sure I have. Um, if I gave you a moment or two, you could probably guess what the hallmarks of true, genuine, biblical, saving faith are. We've been talking a lot about this uh, all fall, so you could probably guess uh, at least three of them. Biblical faith, Believes, yes. It trusts, yes, and it I bet you can guess. It obeys, yes. Very good. It does, it does act. There's a fourth point in that sermon that's splashed all over the pages of Scripture. You won't see it in any doctrinal statement. Uh, I've never seen it in a doctrinal statement anywhere uh, talked about, but it's the result of the first three. it's the result of believing and trusting. And it flows out of obeying. But it's, it's more than simply obeying. It's more than, it's more than simply being told what to do and doing it. It's, it's more than that. It's, it's deeper than that. If you're really believing, really trusting, and really obeying, you will have this fourth point evident in your life. You will have a venturing faith. You will have a faith that steps out. You will have a faith that transcends. Really, it goes beyond simply obeying the command. You will have a desire within yourself to step out in faith to obey the Lord. As we talk about so often in here, to make Him famous in your orbit. To bring glory and honor to Him. If we have true biblical saving faith, this will will be unavoidable in our lives. We will want to venture out. We will want to risk for the cause of Jesus. It's natural. It's what you see all over the pages of Scripture. Let me me define what it means to venture. It just means to, to undertake something that involves risk, daring, courage, boldness. It sounds like New Testament Christianity, doesn't it? That's what New Testament Christianity is, right? We're not just, we don't just come here on Sunday and sit in a chair, right? It's much deeper than that. We give our whole lives to Christ. And if that means taking a, a risk, of course we take that risk. Of course we do. It magnifies Him as we step out, as we venture out on His promises you know, he doesn't simply give our promises—the promises for us to to believe in a theo- theoretical way. If we really believe the promises, we're supposed to step out on them, stand on them, and do the word. Yes, this is New Testament Christianity. My little my illustration for venturing in faith is—if I gave you a few minutes, you could probably guess. New Testament guy, Peter, Jesus. Jesus is walking on the water, right in the storm. He's walking on the water, and Peter sees him out there. You, you've heard me say this to you many times. I love this illustration, and and Peter sees him out there. And what does Peter say? Peter says, "Lord, is that you?" <laughs> he says, "Is that you out there?" He says, "If it's you, what? Bid me come, beloved. This is Christianity. Christianity is not passive." We don't, we, don't, we don't just sit down and wait for lightning to strike. <laughs> Beloved, we're, you know, we're, to be, we're, we're to be pursuers of God. And he says, he says, Jesus, if that's you out there, bid me come. What is Jesus going to say when you ask Him to bid you come? What's He always going to say? Come! Peter wasn't commanded to get out of the boat. Jesus doesn't tell him to get out of the boat. You know, Jesus doesn't even suggest it. Maybe he would think about getting out of the boat. Peter says, I want to get out of the boat. Jesus says, Come on. Beloved, this is Christianity. This is how it is. Come on. You know, I tell, I tell people all the time when I touch on this verse, you know, this should be a a, a part of our, our daily Christianity. Lord, bid me come. Bid me come in my service to the church. Bid me come in my giving to the church. Bid me come as I love and serve the body. Bid me come in using my gifts. Bid me come in my witnessing for you at the university or in the office. Bid me come. Give me the courage to step out of the little boat and walk on the water. This is New Testament Christianity, beloved. This is New Testament Christianity. It doesn't matter if it's impossible or not. Right? It doesn't matter if it's impossible or not. If Jesus says, come, we go. (laughs) And it was impossible for Peter to walk on the water. But if we're Bible believers, we acknowledge that he did. It transcends should and ought. I run into so many Christians, it's about should. Should I do this? Am I supposed to do this? Am I compelled to do this? Ought I do this? Beloved, New Testament Christianity is way past should and ought. I tell you this all the time. It's about desire. Do you desire? Really. This is a a heart check for each one of us. Do you really desire to obey the Lord and honor Him in your life? You have a few moments on the planet before you stand before Him as compared to eternity were vapors upon the earth. Do you really? Is that one of the first things? Is that like at the top of the list there? What I'm going to do this week, my agenda this week, Honor the Lord. Even if it's risky. Even if it's costly. Beloved, when you step out in a way that's costly and risky, the beauty and the value of Jesus is magnified to all of those who are around you. How many of you have read the great book? And I think we're out. Uh, on the book table, Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. It's a, it's a great book. If you haven't read it, you have to read it. I'll get some more. You have to read this book. Piper says, Christianity's risk if we're actually doing it. Now, if we're just religious, if we just show up for church and that's about the sum and substance of us, there's no risk there. But real Christianity is risk, and Piper says it's right to take that risk. It's always right to take that risk. If, it ha- if it's risky to obey the Lord, it's always right to take that risk. We're never to shrink back. From that. I know in the modern church that by and large the New Testament Christianity has been domesticated, it's been tamed to where it's little more than church membership and church attendance. But of course, this is not what we see in Scripture. This is not what we see. I would I would submit to you that risk free or risk-averse Christianity is an oxymoron. Now, everybody knows what that is, right? It's a, it's a contradictory term. Risk-free Christian. It's an oxymoron. It doesn't exist. Okay? We are not risk-averse in this church or as individuals. Our premier and, and principal uh, drive and motivation is to honor the Lord in our lives, in our families, in our work, in our church. That's not good. Okay, Keith's on it. Are you on it, brother? All right. Keep preaching. Sorry to preach in the dark. Somebody, hey, bring me that pad up here. Let me see this. Okay, that's perfect. Wow, that's blinding. That's perfect. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah, last week we saw with Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, right? We saw that. We saw that. That believers acted on the Word. They they acted on the Word. They did the Word. What happened when they did the Word? Someone tell me. Do you remember from last week? God showed up. God always shows up, right? He always shows up. But not only that, thank you Joy, but not only that, what happened with the unbelievers? you remember what the unbelievers did? They saw the Lord and they honored God because of the, the believers who were uncompromising. The believers who were not risk-averse. God was honored in the situation. Beloved, that's how it's supposed to be in our life. It's the mantra of the women, men and women of Hebrews 11. We've talked much about that. So, last week we talked about, I want to spend a few weeks, why does ICM exist? And while we talk about why ICM exists, we need to talk about some of the principles that undergird us. We will not compromise on the Word of God. We're going to preach the Word of God. Uh we don't, you know, we're not overly concerned that it may, may make some people uncomfortable. Yes, the, the, the full gospel and what's at stake sometimes makes people uncomfortable. Uh, but we're going to preach all of it and trust God to do what He wants to do in each life. We're not going to sell out to church growth strategies. We're not going to try to be seeker-sensitive. We're not going to try to dumb it down. So the world will want to come here. We want the world to come here, but not at the expense of the truth. Amen? We want everybody to come in that door, but not at the expense of the truth. We're not going to dumb down the word of God. So that's what we talked about last week. This week we want to talk about being not only being uncompromising, but we will not be risk-averse Christians. We will not sit in our comfortable little cocoon and and you know just sing kumbaya. That's not what we're going to do at ICM. We're going to try to impact the culture, and one of the ways we do that here is by partnering with Keith and Debbie Jones. You know that they, they are uh, the impetus for Veritas, our sister Italian church, and it's our desire to partner with them, to work with them, to, be, uh, to support what they do, to encourage what they do to impact this culture, as well as all of us internationals to be, to be sharing the gospel among English speakers. So, we, uh, that's why we're in this building. We're not in this building for ICM's sake. ICM didn't need the building. It's nice to have the building, but we didn't really need the building. We're in this building because we want to support Veritas. We're in this building because we want there to be a re- revival in Rozzano, right? That's why we're in this building. We're supporting what they're doing. We're supporting what God has called them to do. So, you know, it's, it's not a self-serving thing to be here, although it's a great blessing. It's a great blessing to be here. We did it with a with a view to, with a view to missions. Jesus says, come. (laughs) Have you heard Him? Have you come to Him? Are you obeying Him? Do you have that venturing spirit in your heart? Are you praying, Lord Jesus, bid me come, change me? I want to get out of my little bitty boat. I want to get out of my comfort zone. I want to get out there with You, even if it looks hard and risky and impossible. I want to get out there with You. That's what I want this church. I don't ever want us to get fat, dumb, and lazy, right? And just be a sleepy little church. There's a tendency sometimes for international churches to just get lazy and and just be happy they exist one more year. Because most of you guys will be gone next year. Right? So it's always this thing is just always turning over. It's always turning over. So it's easy sometimes to just... Be, you know, focused on ourselves and think, man, it's just great we survived another year. Praise the Lord. It's, we, we want to be about more than that. We want to be about more than that. I've said it before. I see him as the definition of Lilliputian. You know what the l- word Lilliputian means, right? Who knows what Lilliputian means? There are people here who don't know what Lilliputian means. The little bitty people. You remember Gulliver's Travel and the little bitty people? Little bitty people tied him down. Do you remember that? We are lily Puchet. Hey, we're a joke to the world. We are a joke. We're a joke. We're, no, we're just a group of ragtag internationals from all over the world. We're a joke to the world, but we're not a joke to God. We're, we're small, and we're, it, from the world's perspective, we're weak, and we're no account. Not many mighty, not many noble, not many strong. Hey, we're, we're perfectly qualified to be used mightily of God. God says, I use those kind of people. I use those kind of people that aren't proud in in and of themselves. I use those kind of people. We're perfect. We're perfectly qualified to be used of God here at ICM. We are pathetic in the eyes of the world, but we're not pathetic in the eyes of God. When I think about this, I remember how pathetic the manger was, yes? I remember how pathetic the cross was, yes? I remember how pathetic the, the tomb was, yes? But God works His power in the weak thing. That he might be seen as mighty. Beloved, this is how our Lord This is how our Lord works. So we are perfectly qualified to be used mightily of God to pray bold prayers. Oh, what did the guy say about Martin Luther? He said, You, you, you felt so sorry for him when he, when he started to pray. You just, you, know, you just felt sorry for him. It was so pathetic. But by the time, by the time he got through, you, you feared for him because he was so bold. Beloved, this is how we need to be. This is how we need to be praying. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. You can remember the great verse, Matthew 17, 20. For truly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it shall move, and nothing shall be impossible for you. This is what we believe at ICM. We believe in miracles. We believe that God can do all things. And so we ask. We pray. We petition. Believing. Believing. Believing prayer, yes? But we leave the timing to God. We don't demand that He perform on on the spot. We leave the timing to God. I've told Keith and Debbie, we may not live to see the revival in Milan, but we'll keep praying for it, yes? Why? Because our our God hears prayers. And He answers prayers. So it's our great honor to simply petition for revival. Petition for a great outpouring of the Spirit of God. A great awakening in Milano. The tens of thousands of people will get tired of their secularism and their materialism and they're just, you know, going through the motions of life with a dead soul. So we cry out to the Lord to magnify himself in this place. We have to have real faith. Faith that believes, faith that trusts, faith that obeys, and faith that ventures. You know, beloved, and I'm gonna get to the text in a minute. Um Everything you do is a risk. You know this, right? <laughs> you know. Everything you do, is. A, if you get out of bed, it's a risk. I mean, think about it. You know, driving, walking across the street, stepping in, in and out of the bathtub, flying, falling in love is a risk, getting married's a risk, having children is a risk. Everything is a risk. Eating is a risk. You may ingest something that's poison and you're out of here. Breathing is a risk. You may breathe in the, the little microbe that takes you out. Everything's a risk. Let me ask you, when was the last time you took a risk for Jesus? When was the last time you took a conscious risk for the glory of Jesus in obedience to His Word? When was the last time? When was the last time you were utterly selfless and sacrificial with your awesome God? When was the last time, beloved? Everything you do is a risk. When was the last time you risked for the Gospel? When was the last time you risked for... Jesus Christ. So I'm exhorting, as I exhort you, I'm exhorting myself not to be a risk averse Christian, to have a venturing faith a, faith, a faith that's willing to get out of the boat. We talked about it last week. We need to just make up our minds. I thought a lot about that this week. Making up my mind. I had a couple of things I was working through. I'm always working through a couple of things. And I decided, I'm going to make up my mind. There's a lot of power in that. Making up your mind. I'm going to live like this. I'm going to do it this way. So, we talked a lot about that last week. As we looked at the text, as we looked at the text, we know the story here in First uh, Samuel 17. Uh, Saul is still the king. The Philistines have come down to do battle with Israel. Both armies are facing each other. You heard the text read. Goliath, he's uh, about ten feet tall, which is three meters. He's got an armor that weighs about 125 pounds, that's 57 kilos. His his spear weighs 35 pounds, which is 14 kilos. I mean, this guy's a fighting machine, right? He's a veteran uh, fighting machine. And he's challenging the armies of God. He said, send out someone. Send out someone to fight me. And I'm in 1 Samuel 17, verse 9. Verse 10, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And all of Israel was dismayed, and they were greatly afraid. You know the story. David's at home with the sheep. David's father sends him to the front lines to bring supplies to his three brothers who are at the battle line. David comes and David hears David, here's the words of Goliath taunting the armies of God. I'm in verse 24 now. And all all the men of Israel, they saw Goliath and they fled from him and they were greatly afraid. And David said, well, what will be done for the man who kills this giant? Verse 26. And takes away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt my God? Yes? That he should taunt my God. You've got to love this little kid. He's probably 12 to 14 years old. I mean, he probably weighs just a little bit more than, than Goliath's spear, right? So, you've got to love this kid, but he's, he's a fearless little kid. And we see here in a few minutes exactly why that is true. Verse 31, David, uh, when the words of David came to Saul, Saul called him to himself Verse 32, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. He says, I'll go fight this guy. I'll fight this guy. Twenty years ago in a missions conference, a man named Leighton Ford was preaching to or addressing some missionaries and preachers and ministers. And he said this, will you burn, will you risk, and will you last? And the whole point of the message was that to the risk, you know, the lasting comes out of, of, out of the burning. The risking and lasting, it comes out of the burning. Only if you are in love with Christ will you ever risk and will you ever last as a Christian. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. That's not, that's not biblical. That's not what I'm talking about. But only if you are in love with Jesus, only if your heart is on fire for Jesus, will you ever risk anything for Him or will you last? As a credible witness for him, David, Psalm 69 9, getting inside David's head here. David says, Zeal for God's house consumes me. Beloved, is it that way with you? Zeal for God's house consumes me, he says. You know, several times in the Psalms, David wrote things like this Psalm 63 1 My soul thirsts for God, my flesh yearns for God. Beloved, this is Christianity. Now I know there's a lot of counterfeits out there. We see a lot of counterfeit Christianity out there, just heart dead, brain dead, you know, church attendance. We know, we know about this. But what David's talking about, this is biblical Christianity. David will risk and David will last because David's heart burns. Romans twelve eleven. It says for us to be fervent in spirit. You look at that Greek word translated fervent. It means to boil, <laughs> boil. Are you boiling in spirit? Do you love Christ like that, beloved? I know that that most of us, if not all of us, grow dull sometimes in the Spirit. I understand that. It happens to me. But it's our job to come here to be exhorted and, and to spend time with the Lord in prayer, to spend time in the Word of God alone that our spirits would boil with love and passion for the Lord. David was zealous. He loved the Lord. His heart burned. Is that how it is with you and Jesus? David is just like Peter. God doesn't say, hey, hey, little kid, go fight that giant. God doesn't ever say that. Or He doesn't even suggest it. David wants to do it. I mean, are you just waiting for God to command you to do something? Or do you want to honor Him out of your life, out of your deeds, out of your possessions, out of your gifts, is it, is, do you have that desire to, to simply obey him and honor him? You know, it trans, to venture out, not just simply sitting back waiting. What is your gift? Use it, beloved. What's in front of you? Do it to the glory of God. Beloved, Christianity is not passive, it's not a passive thing. We're to, we're to as Peter told Timothy, to lay hold of it and to live it in a way that. that Magnifies the Lord Jesus. So David's like Peter. He's not sitting back. He says, Man, I'll go do it. I'll go kill this stupid giant. So David's heart is fueled and aflamed. And I gotta ask you, you know, it doesn't do me any good to stand up here and exhort you to risk and last if your heart's not on fire. If your heart's not on fire, you're not gonna do any of this stuff. You're not going to step in front of a giant. You're not going to get out of your little boat. You're not going to do it unless your heart is on fire. Beloved, this is what Christianity has always been. This is even even before the New Testament. This is what true conversion was in the Old Testament. Hearts that were on fire. We saw it in Hebrews 11. These hearts were on fire for the Lord. It's not just simply keeping rules and checking boxes. It's not that. It's never been that. I know that in many places it's devolved into that, but it has never been that. David is indignant. He's indignant. He says, who is this guy who thinks he can taunt my God? Don't you love it? Don't you love this little kid? I've shared this with you before. I I don't even know who said it. Some theologian. God almost never calls His people to a fair fight. Yes, He's not going to call you to a fair fight. He's going to call you to a fight that you need Him to show up or it's a train wreck. (laughs) <laughs> right? Um, he's going to call you to obedience that's so large that you can't do it yourself that He's got to show up or it's a train wreck. This is what God calls His people to. I love, I love that great text, Daniel eleven thirty two. 32. The people who know their God shall be... Someone tell me, do you know? Strong as your mighty Amen! I love that. The, that's exactly the translation I was going to use. Don't tell me, Lynn. I can't believe I remembered her name, <laughs> Lynn. Way to go, Lynn! The people who do know their God, they'll be strong, and they do awesome stuff, beloved. This is Christianity. This is what the Lord. I love what I love what John Piper says. God does not delight in tidy caution. He does not delight in tidy caution. And another famous quote, I know that some of you have heard this quote from William Carey, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Yes? That is a principle that undergirds this church. And I know we probably fail many times, but we're going to keep talking about it and praying about it and keeping our eyes on it. That we would, as William Carey says, expect great things and attempt great things for God. It's Hebrews 11. This little boy, he's learned God correctly. He's been down this road before. You know what happens here. I think, uh, yeah, this was part of the text that Richard read, verse 33 to 37 here. Saul says, you can't fight him. You're just a kid. Verse 34. David says, I know about this stuff though. He said, when the lion came and the bear came, he said, I took him out. He said, the same God that helped me kill the lion and the bear, He will deliver this giant into my hands. Beloved, it's a lifestyle, Yes. You know, you don't just come up to this huge giant thing that you could never possibly even imagine doing. The only way you come to this place, the only way David comes to the place of stepping in front of the giant is he stepped in front of the lion, he stepped in front of the bear. And, And so God is always growing you. He's getting you ready for the next miracle. He's getting you ready for the next huge thing that you can't do yourself. This is just perpetually going on in the believer's life. David said, God will give me the giant. I'm not worried about it. And Saul says, oh, well, he go take, take some of my armor and stuff. David says, I don't need that stuff. I've got everything I need. I've got a stick. I've got a sling. I've got some rocks. And beloved, what I want to say to you is we've got everything we need, right? What a joke. 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 people in Milan, you know, international church. The world thinks we're a joke. We're not a joke. Our God's God. (laughs) We have everything we need. We have the Word of God. We have the third member of the Trinity indwelling us. We have all that we need. We don't need the world's ways. We don't need the false church's ways. All we need is to be faithful to this. That's all we need. God will do everything else. God will do everything. The rest. So David goes out to meet Goliath. He goes out to meet Goliath. You guys know the story. You know the story. Verses 42 to 50. I'm just gonna summarize it quickly. The flisting look at David, he said, Man, you're you're a punk. He says he had disdain for him. He was a handsome and ruddy youth, it says. Uh, verse 43, The Philistine said, Am I a dog that you, you come to me with a stick? And he cursed David. Verse 44, And the Philistine said, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the fields. Then listen to this little kid. You've got to love this. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of God. Beloved, you have all you need. You have all you need to do everything God's called you to do. Our God is God. He says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. Verse 46, This day the Lord will deliver you into My hands. I will strike you down. I will remove your head from you. And I will give the the, the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47, and that that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by the sword or by the spear. For the battle is what? Someone tell me. Oh! The battle is God's. Beloved, is that how you see it? This is how you do meaningful ministry in the world. It is not your battle. It's not up to you. It's up to Him. All you have to do is give yourself up to Him. Just give yourself up to him. Let his power flow through you. Let his enabling flow through you. Don't you love this? The battle is the Lord's. He'll give you into my hands. Verse 48. The Philistine rose up and came and drew near to meet David. And David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. Verse 49. And David put his hand in his bag. He took out a stone and he slung it. And it struck the Philistine on the forehead. And the stone sunk into his forehead. And he fell on the face. Uh, uh, on his face to the ground. Verse fifty. David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine and he killed him. Verse fifty-one. And he took his sword and he drew it out and he and he killed him and he cut off his head with it. This little boy killed this giant. <laughs> you gotta love this story. There are giants in your life too, beloved. Go do battle. Go do battle. Yeah, I think we touched on this. You know, when we were in the Hebrews 11 series, I remember we talked about David a little bit. But, you know, we all have giants in our life. Do battle. You have all you need. You don't need anything else. You have all you need. Do battle with what the Lord has given you. We've talked about it a lot over the last several months. You know, a lot of Christianity is simply showing up, right? Show up. God calls His people, as I heard one guy say, God calls His people to to their marks. He's called us to our marks. We need to step out there and play our part. He's called us to our marks. We're supposed to hit our marks. You remember the great story of King Jehoshaphat? I've shared it with you many times. God says, don't don't fear, be dismayed because of the multitude. The battle is not yours, the battle is mine. Go out and face them for uh, the Lord is with you you so David why does David step out there principally what's driving this boldness and this courage and this faith he loves God more than he loves his own life it's another heart check for us is that how you love God he loves God more than he loves his own life he's got a raging love for God in his heart and guess what I love this part I remember I preached this one other time and I started to, I started to cry a little bit. I'm, I'm, under, I'm completely under control tonight. I'm not going to let that happen. David has a raging love for God. And God has a raging love for him. Amen? Do we, understand how, what, do we understand God's raging love for His people? All we have to do is look at the cross, yes? When God's people stand in front of a giant, God's always going to be there. Yes? God comes. He has a raging love for this little boy. And He comes. And He's with this little boy. He's with this little boy. And David struck him down. He struck him down. You know, beloved, we just got to show up. We just got to believe. We just got to trust. We just need to obey So one of the principles that undergirds all that we do at ICM is that God is enough for us. No matter how risky it looks, no matter how uh, hard it looks, God's enough for us. We're going to trust the Lord. It's His fight. We're simply going to keep our eyes on Him and obey Him. It's His fight. It's not about ought and should. It's about we're in love with this God and we're going to obey Him and we're going to seek to magnify Him in this place. There are giants in this land that need to be slain. There's a false Christianity that permeates this land. It needs to be slain in this place. And we don't need to be afraid to say what is false is false and what is true is true. We need to be Christians who can stand on the Word of God and lovingly say, I know I'm exhorting you tonight. It doesn't sound very loving. But if I'm standing in front of an unbeliever, I will tell them lovingly, this is truth. This is truth. And anyone who adds to this or takes away from it, it's a lie. We know know where lies come from. They don't come from any place else but one place. They come from Satan. Lies come from the Antichrist. We have the truth, beloved. Beloved. We have the truth. We need to be sharing that truth. We need to be bold with that truth. I tell, I've told this for as long as I've been here. Eight years. I tell people, God didn't bring you here for a paycheck. I know some of you think God brought you here for a job. Some of you think God brought you here for a degree. He didn't bring you here for that principally. He brought you here to join with us to spread the Gospel among internationals and ultimately to Italians. Italians. That's why God's brought you here. He's brought you here to get out of the boat. He's brought you here to to step in front of of a giant. He's brought you here to be a light and and a testimony to the truth in this country. So, I want to ask you a couple of questions. We'll be done. Are you praying every day that the Holy Spirit would fall in great power in Milan? Are you praying every day that God would send a great awakening? Are you praying every day that Thousands upon thousands would, would turn from their sin and run to the cross. Are you praying and, and using your gifts in this church to build up the body? Are you serving and ministering to your brothers and sisters in this church? Are you encouraging and, and, and loving your brothers and sisters in this church? Are you sharing the Gospel with your international friends and neighbors and, and, and Italians as you're able? Are you inviting people to come and join us here? Are you telling, people about, are you telling your Italian friends about Veritas? Veritas? This is a place where they can come and, and hear the truth in their language. Are you, telling, are you sharing that with them? Are you bringing your, your offerings, your tithings, your offerings into this place? That this place may be, may be established and may, may, may be here until Jesus comes back. You know, that's when we came. We came here eight years ago. We thought, man, that's the vision for ICM. It's not just to survive year to year, it's that we'll be here, this church will be here when Jesus comes back. Isn't that an awesome vision? You know, we're not just here biding time. We're going to be here, Lord willing, until Jesus comes back. So, beloved, I'm urging you to put your burning, your burning heart to work here in the international church and also as we can support and work with Veritas. So, I invite you to venture with us, I invite you to burn and risk with us. I invite you to take on the giants in this land. We are, yes, we are insignificant. We are inconsequential in this, in this place. I know the world thinks we're a joke, but our God's God. So my challenge to you is to believe that and become involved in this church. And I, I, I've said this many times in the eight years I've been here. You know, you crunch the numbers on ICM. It's a little depressing sometimes. <laughs> you think, "Wow, we lost almost all of our church, and, and uh, it happens every year. We lose 50 or, uh, lately, it's been 50 percent or more. And, and you, you just go, "Wow, how's this going to work?" I, I, I don't know how it's going to work. God knows how it's going to work." And then new people come. Yes, But every wave of internationals, you've got you to commit. You know You've got to commit to this church. You know, the first wave that doesn't commit, this church ceases. This church will cease to exist. You know, we'll never cease to exist because God's unfaithful. We might cease to exist because we are. So I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you to commit to this church. Love this church. Serve this church. Use your gifts in this church. Bring your tithes and offerings into this church. Beloved, It's what Christians do. It's what real Christians do. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank You that uh, Your Word is, is true. We thank You, Father, that You've not only revealed it, You've preserved it for us. We're not... We're not those kinds of folks who, who uh, make light of the Word of God. We, we know You are great God. We know You're certainly able to reveal and preserve Your Word for Your people. And we thank You, Lord, that You have done that for us. We thank You that we have the truth. We thank You that we have the truth that changes lives. It changes eternities. Father, I thank You for these messages about being uncompromising and about uh, not being... Not being uh, Risk averse, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for these challenges. We need to we need to be like Daniel. We need to be like David. The battle is yours. We have all that we need. You've given us all that we need. We're pathetic in the eyes of the world, but you're our God and you're our Father. And so we pray great prayers. And we expect great things. That you'll do a miracle in this place. And that internationals will get saved. And that internationals will get on fire and do mighty things here for the glory of Jesus. And that Italians will will get saved. And Italians will do mighty things here for the glory of Jesus. We're not just here to do religion. We're not just here to check our, our spiritual box. We're here to be poured out. We're here to be poured out for Your glory, Father. So help us, I pray. All of us are weak and frail. You know our frame. You know that it's easy for us to shrink back. You know it's easy for us to conform. Oh Lord, we don't want to be like that. Give us Your faith, Lord, Your courage. Use us up, Father, for the glory of Jesus, we pray. In His awesome name, Amen.